Hello and welcome to Some Other Sphere, a podcast discussing the strange, eclectic, macabre and esoteric, hosted by Rick Palmer. Hello listeners. Firstly, I hope you all had a wonderful Christmas. My guest for this episode is Marjorie Bonrion, who discusses her experiences with ancestor veneration and animism. Going into the recording, I only knew the basics about these subjects, but Marjorie was an excellent guest and led a really interesting conversation about practices which at first might seem esoteric, but in reality are probably something we already have at least a little experience of. For example, if you talk to your pet, well, you're already halfway there. I really hope you enjoy it. Hi, Madra. Thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. This is my first podcast interview. I'm uh, really honored to be here. Oh, well, um, I'm honored too. I, I didn't know that. So I guess the the easiest question to get the conversation rolling is, um, what is ancestor veneration? <laughs> well, um, ancestor veneration is, I think, different for different people. Um, it can be anything from a religion that somebody practices uh, instead of worshiping a god or gods, they worship their ancestors instead. Uh, but for me, ancestor veneration is a way of showing respect to my ancestors, um, holding them in a highly valued position in my life. I am an atheist, so um, I don't worship a god or gods or goddesses, nor do I worship my ancestors, but I do believe that my ancestors have had a much stronger impact on my life in a very direct way than any other outside force well okay so um i remember when we were kind of talking on twitter um just before we kind of set up this conversation that um you you did draw that distinction between ancestor veneration and ancestor worship so is is worship perhaps where where somebody is is more religious or or has some kind of concept of an afterlife or, or, does, or is it different from person to person, like you were saying before? Well, I try to be as inclusive as possible in my life and in my definitions of ancestor veneration and religion and spirituality. Um, I think I think one can have uh, a spiritual practice around a supreme being or beings and still have uh, enough left over to participate in ancestor veneration or in ancestor worship. I think there are groups, both um, historically and contemporary, who do worship their ancestors in a godlike fashion. Um, but uh, I don't necessarily think that, that that ancestor worship has to go with uh, a supreme belief in a supreme being or that it works against belief in a supreme being. What I think is so wonderful and flexible about ancestor veneration 
is that one can be a devout Christian or a devout Muslim or a devout Jew or Buddhist or anything else in between and still practice ancestor veneration. One can be a devout Wiccan and still practice ancestor veneration. The way that it has functioned in my life is that it's made me um, more confident, more self-sufficient, more hopeful in these very, very dark times. Mm. Uh, I'm constantly thinking to myself, well, okay, X, Y, Z, these ancestors in my time made it through what was going on in that century. And if they can do it, I can do it too. Cause now I've got running water and Wi-Fi. <laughs> you know, I mean, there are yeah. things that are actually better today uh, than they were 500 years ago. Um, or so we tell ourselves, uh, we can at least, I can at least make myself comfortable when I'm going through some hardships. Okay, so would you describe it as um, for you as a personal philosophy, or sort of, or as opposed to being a religion? Yeah. Uh, I definitely would say it's more of a personal philosophy than it is a religion. Okay. Uh, for for there are, for me, religion connotes um, specific dogma. Mm. and certain requirements of that belief system. And I think that's what originally drove me away from religion. A lot of people tell me I was doing it wrong. Um, But uh, personally, I feel that ancestor veneration is more than a philosophy. I have created uh, a certain personal mission, personal vision, a set of rituals. Uh, you know, I, it, there's actually a practice in, involved for me. So it's more than just a philosophy, but I think a philosophy is part of it. Yeah. So um, it's interesting you mentioned that you were uh, an atheist. And when you, are people surprised by that when, in considering this part of your life? I think people are constantly surprised when they encounter an atheist. Yes. Um, especially also because I used to go to church, you know, I was baptized, I was confirmed. Um, and I don't wear my ancestor veneration on my sleeve. So religion isn't something that I talk to with my about with my friends or talk to strangers about uh, you know i i certainly will but um it's not something that people are like oops did you know that she believes in ancestor veneration you know that, that they whisper behind my back it's just not something that um i talk too much about okay unlike so- you know my politics which i talk about all the time <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah fair enough <laughs> So, um, how did it start for you? Or can, was there a, if you can you remember a point when you found yourself doing this, or was there something that happened that kind of led you to 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 find this practice? Um, I think it was very slow. I think I was practicing it long before I knew 
what it was. I there I I cannot remember a time when uh, my family members weren't talking about ancestors. They weren't talking about great grandparents or great great grandparents or the the way it's always been done in the family or uh, <laughs> you have you know there's you know, there's a family reputation or a name and I don't mean that in any concrete sense but um, you know this is this is who you are this is what our family believes in and so there's there's always that part of it but there was always also the part on both my mother and my father's side that went along with it was that we were always being contacted somehow mm. by the other side, yeah. that they were always with us in a concrete sense. My father was always telling stories or th- this one story in particular about uh, when his father died, there was some drama with the neighbors and my father had to find it within himself to stand up to this man who was bullying him, a man who had been my grandfather's best friend. And he wanted some things back that he believed were his. And my father always says that he felt his father standing behind him, telling him that this man was trying to take advantage of him. And even later toward the end of my father's life, he, when he had his first heart attack, he said, I didn't want to go to the doctor. I just wanted to lay down and go to bed because I was tired. But I heard my father's voice say, no, you have to go to the hospital. This is dangerous. This is for real. Hmm. And that's on my dad's side. But on my mother's side, there, was, there were always stories about my great-grandfather coming back and talking to his daughters after he died. So my practice developed from a very early age with my understanding that my family was always around me both spiritually and physically slash you know metaphysically that they were always there in the room whether or not I could see them and then in my 20s I really began to get interested in genealogy and my father's side in particular, because my, my, my mother's side, her parents always said, oh, that we've been here forever in the, in the U.S. We've, we've been here forever. There's nothing to talk about. All that information is lost. So my father and I began to do genealogy together, and that really enabled me to put names and dates and locations with these people I had heard about. And I've always, people always described me as imaginative and creative. And as a child, I didn't know what that meant. And I think those are the labels we put on children who are more intuitive, who feel the vibrations in in other ways. I, I cannot say that my parents would have called themselves, uh, people who, who believe in ancestor veneration in the same way that I do. But what they were doing was demonstrating to me that they did. But they were also raised in more religious 
traditionally religious families. Right. Um, okay. And I guess maybe um, sort of uh, in a time when telling stories was more more common as a, within families. Do you think? So it was it was more common to tell stories about about your 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 family. You're going back as. It was more traditional. I do guess. people not do that now? I mean, I'm not that old. I mean, we, <laughs> I grew up with the television in the house. Um, so I just feel, yeah, that's, I don't know. Is that unusual? Because that would be interesting if you're telling me that it is, then it would make me think that my family was actually more involved in ancestor veneration than they ever would have labeled it. I think people are still interested. Um, I just, I'm, I'm not sure it's, and from my experience, it—I um, mean, I, I come from a um, on my I, on my dad's side, my family's pretty small, and my mum's side's much larger, but kind of spread out a little bit. So, I definitely get way more stories told about my mum's side of the family than my 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 dad's. But it, but in general, I um, uh, I, I I I get the sense that um, the the telling of stories as a family about the people that went before you um, maybe doesn't happen quite as much as it did. I mean, not too long ago, I would say probably. Well, I, right. But yeah, I don't know. I, I just, I just wonder um, if kind of um, uh, something about ancestor veneration is, is kind of uh, maintaining, ma- maintaining something that perhaps um, was a little more, I mean, now, now perhaps ancestor veneration is seen as a, like we were talking a personal philosophy, whereas before it, it didn't really have a, a kind of title to it. It was just part of part of, a, of what what a family would do as 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 a natural kind of way of preserving their own history. Yes, although I think I take it per, I, I take it further than that. Okay. I, I'm not sure. I don't think just genealogy. I don't think that is, it's a form of ancestor veneration, mm-hmm. but it's not the only form of ancestor veneration. I, I take mine further. I mean, I will have conversations with mine. I've tried to do some uh, lineage healing because I don't think that everyone in all of my ancestors have been particularly healthy. I mean, they've done some really, and but on the receiving end, some of some pretty crappy things. Yeah. Um, you know, I I, I want to go back for a moment because we are sitting on different continents. Yeah. As as we speak, and I have had conversations when I've been traveling through Europe. Describe, you know, I've I've gone back to some ancestral towns, and traced some family roots. And I always feel a little bit like people are laughing at me as an American because they think that Americans are much more concerned about their roots and where they came from than the 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 people still living there today. Mm. And I wonder if that has to do with all of the immigration that this country that we have had in this country. I think that's part of it. Yeah. Um, I think it's probably very different. Y- you can, pr- I mean, if you have done a DNA test, I don't know if 
if that's as popular in England as it is here right now. But I've read stories where people are doing their DNA or they're tracing their lineage and they're in England and they're finding that they're not living more than 20 miles from where their family has been for 600 years, a thousand years. Uh, My family is quite far from where they originated. Yeah. So um, I think that there is a nostalgia and a sentimentality about um, where people come from. And also, um, which loops back to when I began to actually do the genealogy, when I began to find out specifically where my family was from and the dates they were there, I, as an intuitive, empathic person, I've always felt very, um, I, I, I'm very tuned into space, just spaces and emotional attachments to landscape. Um, and when I've traveled, even before I began to do the genealogy, it would be in certain towns, either in Germany or in Ireland, for example, and I've just felt a physical pull, only later to find out, yep, I was pretty much right there. I just didn't know it at the mm. time. So um, I don't know, maybe it's some sort of spiritual homesickness. I don't, I don't know. I, I definitely agree that some places can, um, can feel like you have a connection to them. Um, uh, but yeah, that's, that's interesting. You you were talking about um, kind of having conversations with your ancestors. Can you just talk a little bit about a little bit about that? How that works? Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, well, okay. I get, there's a couple of different prongs to that. I would say, um, in specific reference to what I said about um, healing some lineage. Um, like I know that uh, alcoholism runs in my mother's family and that uh, my grandmother's uh, father, so my great-grandfather, was an alcoholic. And she certainly exhibited signs of uh, you know, psychological issues, adult that, that adult children of alcoholics often suffer. Um, and in, at the end of her life, my mother and my grandmother were not getting along. And neither was my grandmother getting along with my uncle. So there was a, there's a lot of pain there. And I was very defensive of my mom. And, um, and yet I still love my grandmother because the issue wasn't directly with me. So I, I think... You know, okay, that was my mom's mom. My dad's mom, who died before I was born, I have really elevated to almost a saintly status. Uh, and I think, well, what would a conversation between those two women sound like? Uh, a woman who, for me, was toxic, and a woman, for me, whose memory has been hopeful and healing. And if they were talking to each other on the other side, um, what might that sound like? Would, would my father's mother be able to help my mother's mother through some of her difficulty? Um, you know, all the work that I do is intuitive. So 
uh, I like to sometimes create those three-way conversations. I've done, um, I've written letters to ancestors and then I've imagined what their return letters would sound like during difficult moments of my life. G given what I know about them, what would their advice to me be in this situation? Um, I also do intuitive card readings and, and I have primarily focused on my maternal lineage or the, the women in my family on both my mother and my father's side um, because that's who I can most identify with, obviously. And um, I've done astrological charts for all of them. So uh, I have a sense of what their potential was at birth whether or not they were actually able to um, re fulfill that potential. So uh, I, there are some with whom I, I feel I want to surround, my, surround myself with their energies all the time. And then there are some that I only go to like when I need them. I think we all have family members like that. People like cousins we want to hang out with and then, Cousins were perfectly happy just seeing on holidays or at weddings and funerals. You know, we 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 ha might feel strongly about family, but there are those with whom we connect with on a a very deeply personal level. And then some, you know, yes, we're family and we will bond wow. together when we need to. I I feel that way about my ancestors as if they are living people. Right. Okay. So have you done um, any ancestor veneration with people who were alive when you were older? Sorry, alive when you were younger, <laughs> and are now deceased. Well, sure. My grandmother and my grandmother, my grandmother and my grandfather on okay. my mother's side. Um, those that that's more difficult for me because there was a uh, an existing relationship that had very human drama involved in it. So um, uh, that is the, that relationship with my maternal grandmother and to a lesser extent, my maternal grandfather, um, that, that, that takes work because I have to work around some of the negative memories mm. I have. And my, uh, my grandmother's been gone now six years, six years. Um, and, uh, <laughs> our relationship has never <laughs> been better, but, uh, and, and, and <laughs> but I, I mean that, you know, literally, I mean, I had a lot of really negative memories of her, for a long time. Uh, and now I have a much better uh, tolerance, understanding, patience for um, what I feel sh she did to me and to my mom and to the family. And, um, you know, and I will, I will take responsibility for the way I behaved back. Uh, but I'm feeling, uh, I'm feeling much more um, fondly towards her than I actually ever felt while she was alive. And maybe that was age on my part. Maybe I wasn't able to do that. Uh, but also I, I've been working at that within the context of my ancestor veneration practice. Um, and same with my dad, who I have always absolutely adored, my dad. Um, but he, uh, you know, there's always life that gets in the way. Um, my, my dad is still on the pedestal. He was uh, when he was alive, but um, now I feel his energy and my ability to contact him 
is is on demand. Whereas before, it could not have ever been on demand because if I wanted him at two o'clock, I, mean, I could have called my dad at two o'clock in the morning, you know, but I wouldn't have. Yeah. You know? So, have you found that since you've been practicing ancestor veneration, have your relationships with people who are alive is it is it help with that is it does it give it some sort of context kind of imagining your ancestors as 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 you know as essentially still being there and and people you can talk to oh does it help me with yeah, the living yeah. yeah i would i would definitely say that it does yeah um i feel that it gives me more confidence it makes i worry less about the mm. small things and uh, I prioritize things that are important in my life. I, uh, yeah, I think it has helped me navigate relationships, difficult relationships. Uh, and it's ha helped me develop and value existing relationships that I wanted and want to keep in my life. I think I, I'm a better listener as a friend. Uh, I think I'm probably a better daughter than I was before. Um, I can't say it's the only thing that has made me better at relationships, but I it is definitely part of it. You know, I I a lot of younger people can never imagine themselves dying. Mm. And or imagine the people they love dying. And the older I've become, right. I'm 51. Uh, you know, the, and I've uh, seen uh, my grandparents die. I've seen my dad die. I've seen close friends, and I've you know seen close friends' parents. The more of that you see, the more the more of that I see, the more I realize how fragile life is and how human we all are, and that. Although we might think we are in control of our destinies, um, there are things that patterns, whether they're family patterns or societal patterns, um, that allow us or prevent us from doing what we really want. Yeah. Sometimes we are just at the mercy of our ancestors. I mean, I think you make a good point. I, I think that in the definitely in the western world I, I think sometimes there is this general message that the problems that face our society and and more indirectly the individual are, are modern problems but from my experience they're just a different version of of problems that every generation has had and, you know, and sometimes yeah you know it, it can be it, it can be scary i mean like like you were saying earlier on like the the world at the moment if judging from what's in the news is is a pretty scary place and if you you know if you're not careful you can kind of feel terrified into to a place where you're not sure what to do so and i know that i find that that just 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 by engaging really in, in his like in a bit of uh, engaging with like the, the history of 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 people in general you you can get a sense you can get an understanding that that people have always gone through these kind of these trials and and society's always kind of had that uh -huh. that that kind of uh, 
way with 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 people in terms of in terms of the troubles that they might face so 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 yeah i i, I think it's it, it can be very reassuring to in a way to to kind of have that um it gives you a little bit of understanding it makes you feel a little let more safe i think it's like the, the things that are happening aren't new mm. they're not they're just they're just something that's happened before but it's just got a different flavor. It's got, it's wearing different clothes in a way. <laughs> right. So, um, right. sorry. You know, no, I, no, sorry. You go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say some of the things that I, um, I've done within my practice, you said wearing different clothes. You know, I, I try to think about, okay, you know, take a relative, you know, what if, or pick an ancestor. You know what what would this person have been wearing? What would her clothes have felt like? What would her shoes have felt like? Where would she have acquired those clothes? Would she have purchased them? Would she have made them? How long would those clothes have lasted? Um, did she have to make that fabric herself? Did she have to spin that wool herself? It was really easy for me for a a a living contemporary woman to, you know, oh, my button came off of my coat. I'm going to throw it away and get another one. And that's just, I think, thoughtless. I think that that's careless when there are people who don't have the resources to do that. Um, I think we should take care of our, our personal environment, our personal possessions. And by doing that, we take care of the greater world. I, I'm also an animist. Yes. So I believe that my ancestors were not just human beings. My ancestors are also trees and rocks and mm. clouds and mountains and rivers. And um, by being aware of all of that and how humans have or have not effectively stewarded that their their contact or their ownership but it's never really owned of of their plot of land um that they you know we're we're all responsible for what has come before and our own behavior and what comes comes ahead so my reaction you know do i recycle yes am i i'm a nut about recycling you know if i take the plat you know the the milk comes in a paper mm. carton with a plastic lid the plastic lid goes into the recycling and the paper part goes into the other and and it's just a lid and to somebody else that might not care but because i think of the earth as part of my family it matters to me to to separate those things so um i imagine as part of my practice being mindful of keeping you know, making my clothes last a long time. <laughs> Sew the button back yeah. on, Madra. Come on. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's generally it's just trying to yeah. trying to do more good than than harm. I would say. I I know, I know what you mean. I, I became I became vegetarian about yeah. nearly five years ago, and good for you, good. Yeah, and and since then, since then, like, um, like a lot of the I actually I got I got really back into being interested in the supernatural and 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 magic mm -hmm. and things like that after that point and and learning about things like animism and it felt a lot more it felt a lot more genuine to 
to uh-huh. kind of be be interested in, especially something like animism. Um, uh-huh. And it wasn't; in, it didn't really feel intentional. But it's it's funny how how a decision that you make at some point can can change your life to the point where it, it gives you a sense of of, of feeling like your you, you know, your your philosophy and your your actions kind of marry up more that that's you know yeah on a personal level that's that's really helped actually and um, now I'm into my like I'm in my late 30s now and it's you know I'm at, I'm at a point in my life where um you know it's it's getting it feels increasingly important to have a real sense of of, of personal contentment at least or at least yeah basic <laughs> basic contentment it's, right it's funny how yeah how um how being able to marry up well try and balance your actions with your philosophy can can really help there i agree it's very um comforting and satisfying um were you were you an, were you an animist before you um, got interested in ancestor veneration no i would say uh, no i was involved oh in ancestor veneration okay i was thinking you meant genealogy itself something separate um I would say they probably happened right around the same time. I, I became a vegetarian in, well, it's a, again, it's going to depend on when you, when you say, did my ancestor veneration start? Um, it started very seriously as a daily practice with um, thoughtfully designed rituals, probably right around the time I became a vegetarian. But I, but it was unrelated to my vegetarianism at the time. Um, or did, sorry, animist vegetarian or ancestor veneration and vegetarian? So yeah, were, the, were, you, um, were you an animist before you were interested in ancestor veneration? Okay, let me think. Um, I became an animist in probably the early 2000s. So maybe 15 years ago. So yes, I was involved with ancestor veneration longer than that. But my, I would say, devoted ancestor veneration practice probably started after. Because I think I've been doing ancestor veneration most of my life. But that really daily devotional is probably 10 years. Right nine, 10 years. Yeah. And animism is probably more like 15 to 18. Okay. So uh, it all seems so seamless though. You know what? I don't I mean there were never any dis- hard and fast decisions made. It just slowly became because I was not, Oh, I don't know, Rick, I got to tell you, I suppose I was an animist long before, but I was still religious and I would never have equated animism with episcopalianism right you know anglicanism i'm not sure i ever would have associated the two i actually had to stop believing in god before i ever would have called myself an animist okay although i always you know i was a tree hugger i'm a tree hugger from a long time ago you know even as a little girl i believed that um inanimate objects had feelings Mm. And that's what I meant when my family used to say, oh, she's creative. Oh, she's an imagin- imaginative. Well, I, I just think that I I didn't have words for those 
things. And I don't think they had words for what I was doing and saying, but I think if they, I think if I had a child now who said to me, what I was saying to my mother when I was four, five, and six, I think I would say, Oh, little Johnny's just an animist. I don't, I wouldn't have made up some excuse for the, a child being creative or inventive or, you know, imaginative. I, I, I'm just not sure that my family had words to label the behavior I was demonstrating. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I can, um, being imaginative can sometimes just be seen as basically artistic or creative, but, mm-hmm. but I, th- I think also it's, um, I, th- I think as well, it's animism is a term that maybe uh, isn't that well known. And but when you look at people in their day to day lives, I mean, anybody who has a has a dog, I would say that the vast majority right. of those, or a pet in general, the vast the vast majority of those people will will see that that pet as a member of their family and will talk to it and will right. And that's right. yeah, that's that's animism, isn't it? I mean. <laughs> I would say, I mean, that's you're you're communicating with is as I understand it, animism is a sort of it's the extension of personhood outside of just humans to to kind of almost everything in nature, pretty much. Well, I think um, I don't. I'm not. Yes, but I'm also. You're adding in a little bit of um, anthropomorphizing, okay. anthrop- anthropomorphizing in there, which. Um, uh, the anthi- like I, I certainly anthropomorphize my dog. Absolutely. Uh, I also used to anthropomorphize my teddy bears because I believed that they had human feelings and that I could talk to them. I think that the difference with animism is that you believe that there's a, a soul, a, like a, a spirit in the inanimate object. Like I, 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 I'm not sure that one or I could anthropomorphize a rock, but I can certainly believe that there is uh, a uh, a spirit within that rock. Yeah, I wouldn't assign human characteristics to the rock, but I believe that there is a spirit of a of the rock. Yeah, or like a mountain or a hill, or definitely. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I think that there was a, um, I think there was a law or something that passed in New Zealand earlier this year where uh, the government is recognizing uh, a uh, indigenous people's belief that the mountain is one of their ancestors. And by doing that, and I'm just remembering this article that I read anecdotally, this is not necessarily uh, specifically factual, um, but by doing so, the government has to um, protect that mountain and to offer it protections that it would a human. And I think that's spectacular. I think that's that's the beginning of really uh, believing that, that our planet is a is a living thing and needs to be protected the same way that we would protect a, a human being's rights or a child's rights. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a, that's a very imaginative way of looking at at um at being an at being environmentally responsible. I think it's it, and it you know in yeah. those those people, those people in New Zealand have been, you know, they've been there a long time. They, they, they know, they, <laughs> they know what they're talking about, I think. So, 
Yeah, that's, that is really good. right. It makes right. me think of um, of in, in Iceland, they'll they'll move um, roads, highways in Iceland around certain mounds in the landscape because they believe that there are there are yeah. like fairies living there. I was um, that. I yeah, like, right. That absolutely. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I think I think it's I think it's um, it's healthy. Like it's 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 healthy for uh, for a society to do that sort of thing to have respect for the landscape i think i think you know there are so many people who would agree that oh i went in this classroom one time and the lighting was bad and there was a hum coming from the heater and it was just a really bad place to learn and we we think of environment that way you know there are we talk about safe spaces you know there are there are healthy spaces and then there are unhealthy spaces man-made spaces both emotionally and physically but that's just an extension of the the planet as well you know there are you know every space has a story to tell and it carries with it the history i mean battlefields in this country and um is it culloden in scotland i mean i was up there a couple of years ago and Wow, you can feel you can feel the sadness on that land. I think it's like Gettysburg in the U.S. You know, it's the the soil, the grass, the trees carry with them the history of that space. And if we listen, we develop the skills to listen. We can we can feel that. And we can venerate that space. Yeah, I, the way we would. Yeah, yeah I, I think that's um, yeah. making a point. Near where I live, there's a there's a park, uh, and um, a little while ago, I, I I mean, I always walk through it on my way to work anyway because it's a nice place to walk through. But a little while ago, I think I, I kind of tried to make the I made the decision. I think almost subconsciously to kind of notice the the trees and everything around me a bit more to kind of take it in a bit more mm-hmm. and, and I did notice that um the more I did that the more it seemed like like the park was noticing me as well so I would yeah be, I would see more yeah. I'd see more like squirrels I would see like a couple of times quite a few times I'd be near the gate and a like a robin, like a robin would fly down and land right near me, and that, like it. It I mean, it's. It just felt very. It felt like I was kind of more in contact with, with the the life around me. It was, it was, it was really. It was quite special, really. It, it felt like I had a, a, a connection that I hadn't noticed before. That's great. <clears throat> That's wonderful. Yeah. And it was probably always there waiting for you yeah. to notice it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Cool. So um, just going back to ancestor veneration, is if you were to sure. sort of recommend a place to start for somebody, um, which I know is a tough question because everybody's different and they have different sorts and they have different families and things like that. Is there is there somewhere that they could start and then it can lead off wherever they want it to is there, is there something that kind of is like a 
a ground zero for for ancestor worship if you will well i think you always have to listen a little bit to what's going on in your heart but um you and and many families already have existing family trees and sometimes if you want to and I don't, I don't want to conflate genealogy with ancestor mm-hmm. veneration, although one, they, they do go hand in hand and they can really, one can be a framework for the other. Um, I started with uh, my father's side because the information was there. And I think there were more, there's more concrete stuff to go on um, data wise, genealogically. Um, my mother's side probably had just as many stories, but I, I wasn't really that interested because I couldn't put pencil to paper. But um, I, I would say, first of all, try to focus on the good. Uh, because if you focus on the dark side of your ancestry, it could get, it could pull you down into a dark place pretty quickly. Um, so focus on the ancestors, whether you know their names or not, because you don't, you don't need to do that. You, those are earthly things. You can feel their energies, um, feel their energies supporting you. If you know any stories about people who maybe emigrated or went through some difficult times in their life, and you can think about them when you need them, you know, during perhaps similar times, I would, I would start there. Um, if you don't know anybody's name, name them. Uh, that's an earthly thing we need to do. We need to have names for them. And after a while, as you begin to build a practice, you're going to need to keep them separate from each other. Um, if you have more specific information, I, in particular, on a, on a regular basis, work with my female lines as opposed to my male lines. Um, so you can begin to put together a sense of your grandmother, your grandmother's mother, your grandmother's grandmother. You can go back that way. Um, eventually, you'll just have this kind of collection of women. Um, if if it's a, a group of people that you feel are unrelated, that's okay too. Um, you know, if if in the specifics you want to assign or to not assign, but listen to yourself and you know make a list of you know, my great grandmother on my mother's side. I've heard stories of these characteristics. I'd like to have more of these characteristics in my daily life. I'm going to keep her name or an image or a symbol that reminds you of her. You know, keep a, keep something like that on your desk. Um, if you've got, you know, somebody uh, else. Yeah, I create scents with uh, essential oils. I've created uh, like musical chords. I have ways of accessing and contacting my ancestors in a variety of sensory ways. So I can uh, I can really do it at any time. I don't think that was that's not the answer that I said in the article that I wrote, was it? I didn't go back and reread that before <laughs> no, I called I you back. No, I think that was fine. Okay, okay, and you can cut that cut that little part out that I just said. But I mean, I'm not really sure. Yeah, I don't know. Where do you want to start? I, I, 
one of the things that I did um, I I did ancestral charts from the the information whose birthdays that I knew, uh, and by doing that, I was able to get fill in some details about personalities of people who were too far back for me to have any family stories for, or people who had been forgotten. I was able to trace really, right. really far back with um you know ancestry.com and online databases. I was able to treat you know. 30 generations in some examples. Um, so I've used um, traditional divination techniques with, you know, card reading, oracle cards and things like that. Um, but, you know, with the handful of people uh, of ancestors that I want to work with on a, you know, daily or weekly basis, um, I've created ways, you know, if I, if I'm feeling particularly, um, like persecuted or something, you know, by family or friends or work, or I'm getting blamed for something I didn't really want to do. You know, I will go back to an ancestor who was killed. I mean, during the the, the Salem witch trials, I I am descended of a brother of a, of some women that were killed during the the trials. So you know, I will I go back. So they they share a mother. So I will go back to her, and I'll think, okay, you know, this is how you deal with this kind of thing. I'll put together a little essential oil fragrance and I'll, you know, I'll dot it on my wrists or I'll dot it, hmm. you know, behind my ears. So, so that scent is always there. And then that triggers my connection to them. Right. And I've, you know, I, we have a piano in the house. So sometimes I will do that with just a particular chord, you know, and, and people can do it with um, sigil creation. They can create a, a sigil out of initials for a certain ancestor or a group of ancestors and they can tuck that into their wallet and they can just go back and take a look at that and think, Oh yeah. Okay. This is what I'm going to focus on for that moment. And I will focus my thoughts and my energies. And I remember, I will remember the strength of this person and I will be thankful for that and thankful for, for their role in my life. And because they are there and I've accessed them, I can also access, you know, their strength and pass that on. I, I, I do a variety of things. Oh, okay. That's yeah. Um, well, Andrew, thank you so much for being on the podcast. This, this has been a really great chat. Thank you. I really, really enjoyed it. And I'm really looking forward um, to the new series. That's what this is. It is right. Yeah, it's yeah, part definitely. of a new series. Yeah, it um, should be starting. Well, are we well, it will start before this episode goes out because. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Oh, it will. Yeah. And, um, yeah. So like late, late, late twenty eighteen, December twenty eighteen is when I want it to start anyway. But yeah. <laughs> okay. But yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I'm excited, and will you be? You'll be uh, tweeting about it, and that's how we connected. You'll be tweeting about yeah, it, things like that. Definitely. But yeah, thank you so yeah. much for telling those stories about your family. It's I appreciate you kind of going into that kind of detail yeah yeah i hope that was what you're looking for um if you need to tweak anything you know message me back and we can tape over some stuff if you want no no, no i'm sure it'd be fine but yeah just um just let, okay. let people know where they can um find out more you've got your own website haven't you i do it's constantly in development uh it's uh madrabonrion.com m-a-d-r-a-b-a-n-r-i-o-n.com okay and you're, um, you're on twitter as well my, my last name kind of rhymes with montreal okay bonrion yeah uh, okay yeah i was wondering as opposed to 
Ben Ryan, which I get a lot. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I um, in my head it was Ben Ryan, so <laughs> I got it wrong. <laughs> That's okay. You know, different people pronounce it in different ways. Fair enough. That's okay. Sometimes I pronounce it that way too, because <laughs> <laughs> it's easier for some people. Um, you 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 blog for the Plentiful Earth as well, I think, right? Well, I just started. Yeah, Aurora Moon. Um, I used to do this great thing on Wednesdays called Wiccan Chat, and I was a part of that for a long time. Mm. And um, then she uh, wound that down and uh, started growing her the website, Plentiful Earth, and asked me if, if I would write pieces um, about ancestor veneration. So I did write one piece in September, and... Um, or I guess maybe she posted it at the beginning of October. And I was hoping to get another one out for Stalin and ancestor veneration, but I procrastinated so much. And then we had uh, a mass shooting in Pittsburgh last weekend. Mm. So, and that's where I live. So uh, I got very, very distracted um, and I wasn't able to finish it before Halloween. So, um, yeah, I have a whole list of topics on ancestor veneration that I will be uh, writing for her website, linking to it um, from my website, and then hopefully adding more on my website. Uh, but Plentiful Earth is a fantastic resource for a variety of um, metaphysical writings and products and things like that plentifulearth.com brilliant thanks thank you so much it's been a delight talking to you yeah you too take care take care bye-bye one of the things i appreciated the most about my conversation with madra was her openness in talking about her own family i hadn't appreciated that talking about her experiences with ancestor veneration might involve something like that so i'm very grateful that she discussed something so personal I'd like to end this episode with a quote from Madra's excellent website regarding this. I revere my ancestors and the generational influence they have had on me. I identify as pagan, therefore I do not worship any gods. However, I communicate with my kindred and honour them daily with meditation and ritual. They are more present in my life than any god has ever been. From the lives of my ancestors, I draw strength in times of adversity and change and have learned how to forgive myself and others when necessary. I highly recommend visiting Marjorie's website. There'll be details of how to do that in the show notes, along with her article for the Plentiful Earth website. Until next time, thank you very much for listening.